Hey guys, just wanted to jump in here before the episode starts to let you know that uh, if it sounds like I'm calling in uh, on a payphone from Venezuela in this episode, it's because I was, uh, took a little trip down there, a little, um, doing a little pro bono work down there with a, a non-profit organization about helping um, the homeless find uh animals to adopt um yeah that's why uh no that's not why i i was accidentally recording from my webcam mic instead of my real good microphone so that's why that sounds like that uh it sucks but um bear with us it's uh, this episode was real fun uh my brain if you like if you like when we talk about birds uh i got i got one for you so enjoy they feature heavily in human culture <laughs> Generally due to the large head supporting its powerful mouth. (sighs) Welcome to We Should Know Better, the podcast where we hitchhike across Wikipedia like a bunch of little fact hoppers. Uh, I'm your guest starring, Kyle, and with me as always are my walk-ons. Hey, I'm Sky. Hey everybody, it's Tim. Hey guys. <laughs> um I I realized that we we missed our chance last week. We're actually yeah. we're actually off our game because normally we we have had a long-standing tradition mm-hmm. of recording during culturally significant events that we somehow managed to have this podcast fall uh our recording time fall exactly on those times. Right. Uh, and we did it with Super Bowl this year, so we kept up tradition there, but uh, we failed to uh, for the Oscars this year. Yeah. So I I figured that I would bring it in for our, you know, for our intro. I mean, today is Daylight Saving Day. I mean, that's yeah, culturally yes, significant. Uh, we're still, by the shouldn't way. shouldn't exist. <laughs> yes. By the way, Stephen and I are still trying to make this, like, mythology of the of the Daylight Saving rooster and owl. Uh, we're oh, trying yeah. to make that stick. We're still trying to bring Good that around. That. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, you know what? Huh. Help help us with this. If you're if listening if you're listening to this podcast, help us spread our mythology for the rooster that shows up in springtime and steals steals an hour away. My friend and was like, "Hey, oh, <laughs> now I know why I'm so like this is at like four o'clock. Sure. Now I know why I'm so tired. I missed an hour of sleep, and I was like, yeah. And that made me, that made me realize that we have a very different relationship with daylight savings time now that we have phones and computers that automatically switch over for us yeah it's like before if you forgot to do it you'd show up at a wrong place at a wrong time mm-hmm. you show up well, to church the, you know i was gonna say it's the church thing early. yeah mm-hmm. but now it's like <laughs> an hour is taken from you and you don't know you don't know <laughs> why which is really scary <laughs> um yeah it's this bonkers. sounds yeah this sounds like the plot of a horror movie as mm-hmm. i think about it like just you just lose an hour occasionally, and eventually the day is oh wow this would be a really weird movie because you know would you notice if the hours between two one and two o'clock would be would be taken away sure yeah it'd be hard to notice that but then suddenly the hours between three and four p.m. would just be gone right. or oh man or 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 like right at six o'clock to seven like that hour would just vanish ah oh, that's a terrible movie I'm sorry. It's scary. Anyway, oh yeah, anyway. that's that's horrifying. What do you, what do you uh, got but, for us? But I have a <laughs> something. 
What? What page? What pages are you gonna do? False what guy. do we do here, Kyle? <laughs> well, well, Tim, I'm glad you asked. On this podcast, we uh, we go from one page to another on Wikipedia. I will give both Sky and Tim are making the run tonight from one from a starting page and clicking just on links on those pages through to uh, to see who can get first to their ending page. And tonight, uh, given that it was just International Women's Day. Uh, I decided to go with uh, a. We're going to do. We're going to go through a couple pages that have to do with women. One of which is uh, Grace Hopper, and you can start start at her page, which is literally it is just Grace Hopper on Wikipedia. Okay. Uh, Grace underscore Hopper. Um, she is the is a pioneer of computer programming and oh. invented a couple uh, cool uh, programming languages. She has a really badass photo in her Wikipedia page, and yeah, I, she does. I immediately was <laughs> yes. by her. Uh, yes. Okay. And we're going from Grace Hopper to Aquarium. The not not like Aquarium. The age of Aquarium. Like the, yes, the age of Aquarium. Good. We were there. Uh, not like the like building that is a collection of aquariums, and not like. Uh, or oh my not like a public aquarium, but, but like specifically a personal to personal aquarium. The, the personal aquarium, the yes, personal good aquarium job. Inside your house, in aquarium. Yeah, that's the one. Yes, uh, yeah, we're going to that specific one. Okay, and that right. I was telling, I was mentioning to Tim beforehand that I think tonight you guys are either going to get it in two clicks or in about twenty. So right. I can't wait to see how this is going to go, but. Mm. I am super excited about our first game, uh, so our opening game. Oh, the, sorry, go on. The reference to International Women's Day is just the Grace Hopper bit, right? Well, uh, actually, Not the it box turns out with glass walls and ceilings. Oh, clever! No, okay. uh, no, oh. that's not what I was going for. But it turns out that the aquarium was uh, the modern aquarium was invented by a woman. Oh, nice! Now Did the aquarium, that... like the building, or the aquarium, like the personal no, aquarium. The personal now. aquarium. <laughs> okay. Are we going to do this the whole show? <laughs> I just like to imagine yes. a woman back in the day. She's like a jar that she just drank out of, and it's like half full. And she sees a fish, and she like puts she's the fish like, in it. Hold on. She looks at the like, fish, hey. and then the glass, and then the fish <laughs> dumps the fish in. <laughs> tries first tries just pouring the water on the fish. Yes. It's like and no, I missed a step here. <laughs> yeah. No, no. <laughs> Calculating. Mm-hmm. We got this. Anyway, so tell us about this game. That you... The opening game. <laughs> the opening game you got to determine who goes first. Guys, since we missed the Oscars this year, I actually missed uh, who won Best Picture. And uh, so, but I'm, I'm going to have you guys tell me about the winner of Best Picture this year. It's not the one you think it is. Um, uh-huh. And I'm bringing in another set or another reference to International Women's Day in a, uh, I guess, uh, less than uh, not 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 the best way, I guess. But do you guys remember very recently when Lady Doritos became a thing on Twitter? Yes. Yeah. Uh, if if our Bad listeners haven't campaign. heard about this, yes, a terror. Of, <laughs> hold on, what should you say? It's a bad marketing campaign that I yes. know it hadn't even started yet. It's just the I think the CEO or president of Frito Lay was discussing mm-hmm. it on on uh, NPR. And was talking about, yeah, we got this in the works. And then, uh, then Frito Lay saw the reactions to it and were like, oh, <laughs> just kidding. Oh, yeah, they backpaddled oh, and yeah. said, oh, it's not real. It was just a publicity stunt. 
Yeah. Uh huh. Um, I really like that they that they floated that out on NPR as though that's the that's the market that you want to go like, oh yeah, they'll understand mm-hmm. this. They they got this. Mm-hmm. So uh, there was a um, very briefly, <laughs> very briefly, there was a marketing campaign uh, from Doritos that was going to be for a uh, a a kind of Doritos for ladies, quote unquote, uh, that were supposed to make less of a sound when they crunched mm-hmm. so as to be discreet and uh, did not crumble as much so that they did not make a mess. And that was supposed to be how ladies, it would appeal to ladies. I can't even imagine how some... that would work. Would it be like I mean, a Doritos just, cookie? Yeah, you're just describing cookies is what mm-hmm. they're, yeah, yes, that's what they're describing. I mean, they have to be soft cookies. The hard <laughs> ones crumble. You'd have to have like a, um, a chewy Doritos Ahoy. Yes, but that has nothing to do with our game tonight. Let uh, me start by saying we have a lot of chips in our pantry. At this moment, Tostitos, Doritos, <laughs> Zappies, Mission, Kendall, and more. But remember that crazy chocolate chip grilled cheese I mentioned a few months ago? And remember those salt and vinegar filled junk food cookies I baked up? Wonder where the idea of these cookies came from? It's a simple math problem, really. What? D- Doritos chocolate chip cookies makes 12 large cookies or 24 nope. small cookies. No, stop. Do it. We're doing this. Why? Oh, we gosh, just became a cooking why? show. We're doing this right now. Oh, why man. would you do this? Anyway, three fourths cup crushed nacho cheese Doritos. My favorite tweet that came out of that. <laughs> uh, I saw a tweet uh, very recently or uh, halfway into that day, essentially, that just said, uh, I see Lady Doritos is trending. And uh, my first my first instinct was to be afraid that she died. So, uh, and I, I was afraid too that Lady Doritos had passed away. She is a a uh, uh, a part of our culture, uh, just you can't irreplaceable part of our culture as a as a leading actress and has been for years. Um, and I would like you guys to tell me uh, she actually believe it or not it's it's very oh impressive, but she was in two different Best Picture nominees wow. this year. I'm going to have you guys tell me about them or what the what the synopsis for each of them is. Oh, these variables. Mm-hmm. So, Lady Doritos was in one of uh, or both of these movies. And uh, I'm going to let you guys... Oh, wait. Uh, who was in the... Who was in the game last week? It was Sky. So, Sky, you're going to get to go second. Okay. Uh, Tim, I have written... I've got four different movie titles here. Uh... Please give me a number one through four, and I and you can tell me what that synopsis of the synopsis of that title is with uh, starring Lady Doritos. Oh, good gravy! Um, uh, three. Uh, you. Uh, she was unforgettable in the Lovable Gemstone, but uh, can you tell me about what that what that movie was like and how she played in it? The, the Lovable what? Gemstone. Gemstone. Wait, you have titles for us? I did. I came up with titles for you. Oh, so we're not coming up with a title. No, no, no. Right. You're telling me what the movie is. Okay. So Lady Doritos in the Lovable Gemstone. Correct. Was, uh, uh, so Lady Doritos. Uh, so wait, we got we to gotta yeah. figure out what this fake movie is. And we got we to gotta associate with Doritos. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to. That's just for fun. Okay. Just tell me what this fake, just tell me what this fake movie is. Okay, 
that's that's really what the what the game is. It's just that Lady Doritos was a part of it. Uh, so the lovable gemstone is uh, Lady Doritos plays uh, a <laughs> underappreciated uh, rock. Uh, oh, Dur- Doritanzanite. Oh wow! Uh, which is basically just superheated crushed Doritos uh, placed under <laughs> enough pressure. <laughs> Uh, okay. So she's, you know, it's it's a classic story of you know the the underappreciated individual is shunned and thought little of uh, until the one day that uh, a crisis comes uh, in Someone the form very high. Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the uh, the big diamond in the uh, in the land. Uh, is revealed to be a fake, uh, a, a zirconium, mm. and so uh, Lady Doritos must step in uh, to uh, perform for uh, the mayor of oh, Flavor Town, okay. oh uh, visiting ma- mayor of Flavor Town, and of course, the, yes. this mayor of Flavor Town would have, you know, would have appreciated the. Uh, the diamond, of course, but but seeing the the performance of of crushed nacho nacho cheese and tortilla, yes. um, just uh, I mean, she steals the show. Yeah. He gives her the highest honors of uh, of actually takes takes her hand in marriage. Uh, she is Beautiful. she is Lady Doritos of Flavor Town. It is a. Uh... It is a it's a romance for the ages. Uh, I heard I heard it do, did very well on Rotten Tomatoes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, nicely done, Tim. Uh, Sky, I can't believe you made uh, me try to combine Doritos uh, and gemstones. I, I, you know what? I did. A, I used a uh, a movie title generator and I picked the first three that made me laugh. So here we are. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> we should uh, know better. Sky, here we are. One, <laughs> one through. One through four, actually, just four. one through three at this point. Three. Four. Uh, Sky, uh, Lady Doritos, uh, she took on a, a role that um, not many people would have uh, would have uh, expected her to try in um, a movie called Unwritten Mountain. Oh my God, Unwritten Mountain. <laughs> That's the one. Oh, this sounds like such an Oscar movie. I know. Are you sure, this isn't a thing. I actually haven't looked it up, but I will while you while you work on that. All right. Uh, oh, this is all like the unwritten uh, rules of mountain biking. Yeah, okay. unwritten rules of mountain biking. Unwritten rules to biking. Unwritten rules to climbing. Unwritten, uh, unwritten laws. The gentleman's rules of mountain biking. Okay, yeah, I we got the we got the gist. The Unwritten Mountain. The Unwritten Mountain. <laughs> it's a title that I have to make funny. Uh, <laughs> well, I think it's already, it's halfway there already. <laughs> um, Lady Doritos plays a girl named Anne. Okay. Who is a novelist. And mm. she's like a really well-known novelist. And she's in a slump, though. Okay. Uh, you know, her next, her next... Uh, manuscript has been due and her editor can't get it out of her so her editor says hey 
you need to get away, go to this mountain. Mm. Uh, the mountain's uh, name is uh, Weingarten Mountain. <laughs> okay. And she's like, just go there and relax. And she goes there, but she meets another. Uh, uh, she meets a a person staying the same lodge as her, who's really into uh, hiking. And her name is Chloe. Okay. And they hit it off, and it ends up that she doesn't get much writing done because they become good friends. And then maybe more than friends, <gasps> and they leave the mountain, finding something that was inside them all along, <laughs> but it wasn't. A, but it wasn't a manuscript, <laughs> and <laughs> and Anne Anne leaves her editor and writes the. It's very meta. Meta. She writes the the book that is the film she just writes the mm. story about herself oh my gosh oh my gosh and it's a bestseller and the title of the book is just for your consideration and chloe <laughs> live happily ever after <laughs> uh they don't live on the mountain though they live right. they live in burbank that'd be <laughs> that'd be a little too on the nose yeah all right uh, I appreciate both of these, but the one that is the most Oscar bait is absolutely uh, Unwritten Mountain. Oh, yeah. Uh, I am amazed. Do you get how, how ironic it is that she yes. does write the mountain at the end? Yeah. And then yes. I tried to shoehorn Guy Fieri into mine. So, oh, Tim, I appreciate the it. Academy I really was not do. Going to have yeah. any of that. Yeah, I was going to say they, they voted that down. Uh, most people didn't even watch it. I, I, I like apologize. Yeah, y'all should watch The Big Sick. It's a very good movie. I think both of you would like it. I I do need to watch it. I keep meaning to. Comedy. Yes. Um. Anyway, so well right. done, Sky. Good. Congratulations, and, and congratulations to, to my life. To come up, <laughs> come up with that. <laughs> congratulations to Lady Doritos as well. Yes. Uh. uh yes. All right. So Grace Hopper is Grace where we're Bruce starting. Grace Murray Hopper. Uh, she was born in 1906. She died in uh, 1992, on January 1st. She's an American computer scientist and United States Navy Rear Admiral. Um, she's one of the first programmers of the Harvard Mark I computer. She's a pioneer of computer programming, and she invented one of the first complier, or com- yeah, compiler-related tools. She popularized the, popularized the idea of machine-independent programming languages, which led to the development of COBOL, C-O-B-O-L, an early high-level programming language still in use today. So she looks like a pretty cool woman. And her picture, like, you guys just need to go to the Grace Hopper wiki page because, like, oh my gosh. it's such a great picture of her just having her arms crossed and looking mm-hmm. like she gives no guff. Um, <laughs> she's very good. Uh, uh, owing to her accomplishments and her naval rank, she was sometimes referred to as Amazing Grace. Um, I missed that. The U.S. Navy uh, Arleigh Buke class guided missile destroyer USS Hopper was named after her, as was the Cray XE6 Hopper supercomputer. Um, She was awarded 40 honorary degrees from universities across the world. A college at Yale uh, University is named in her honor. In 1991, she received the National Medal of Technology. On November 22nd, 2016, she was uh, posthumously awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by 
Barack Obama. Mm. Cool. <clears throat> yes. Scale through. Man, all the pictures with her in them are great. Yeah, and I half of them, she just long. has her arms stance. folded and it's just looking yeah. at you like. Oh my gosh. Yeah, she was a giant computer. What of it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, she was real great. I'm trying to look at things that might be interesting. Like, she just had a very, like, kind of straight, no. <laughs> straight, I mean, no you know I mean? like, Yeah, like, just <laughs> like she bossed it at computers and being an admiral. And that's. That looks I, like I, the thing. She, yeah, it's one of those. Cool. She's one of those people who she knew. Uh, I like this tidbit. Uh, Grace was very curious as a child. This was a lifelong trait. At the age of seven, she determined or she decided to determine how an alarm clock worked and dismantled seven alarm clocks before her mother realized what she was doing. <laughs> In parens, that she was then limited to one clock. In parentheses, and that's cited. And I. She's one of those people who just from a very young age, like she just knew like that's this is what I'm meant to do. Like this is a skill I have and I'm doing it. Here's a quote from her. The most important thing I've accomplished other than building the compiler is training young people. They come to me, you know, and say, do you think we can do this? And I say, try it. And I back them up. They need it. (laughs) I keep track of them as they get older and I stir them up at intervals so they don't forget to take chances. Oh, my gosh. Very great. She's awesome. Uh, she's famous for her nanoseconds uh, visual aid. People such as generals and admirals used to ask her why satellite communication took so long. She started hanging out pieces of wire that were just under one foot long, the distance that light travels in one nanosecond. She gave these pieces of wire the metonym nanoseconds. Uh, she was careful to tell the audience that the length of her nanoseconds were actually the maximum speed the light, the signals would travel in a vacuum. And that signals would travel more slowly through the actual wires that were her teaching aids. Later, she used the same pieces of wire to illustrate why computers had to be small to be fast. Wow. At many of her talks and visits, she handed out nanoseconds to everyone in the audience, contrasting, <laughs> contrasting them with, with a coil of wire 94 or 984 feet long, representing a microsecond. Later, while giving these lectures while working for DEC, she passed out packets of pepper called the individual grains of ground pepper picoseconds. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I I really appreciate <laughs> that she preemptively okay. well actually some yes. of these people. Yeah, sorry, go on. This quote, uh, Jay yes, Elliott described good. Grace Hopper as appearing to be all Navy, quote unquote, uh, but when you reach inside, you find a pirate dying to be released. <laughs> wonderful it's wonderful it is good i'm trying to get to aquarium yep yes personal aquarium uh <laughs> the page is not actually called personal aquarium just so you know uh while she was working on a mark ii computer at a u.s navy research lab in Darwin, virginia her associates discovered a moth that was stuck in a relay the moth impeded the operation of the relay uh, while neither Hopper nor her crew mentioned the fa- phrase debugging in, her, in their logs, the case was held for an instance of literal debugging. For many years, mm-hmm. the term bug has been used in engineering. The remains, of the, the remains of the moth can be found in the group's logbook at the Smithsonian Institution's National Museum of American History. There's a photo. Yeah. That's awesome. They literally taped good. the moth into the book. Yeah, that's funny. Oh my funny. gosh. Moths are like bird, or <laughs> moths are like birds. They're also like fish. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna click on well, moth. 
Oh, wonderful. I hate moths, uh, by Sky, the way. You're no! You're picking on moths? Yeah. Why yep. would... Oh, no. Are, are you going to be okay? It's, uh, these aren't bad ones. Okay, there's okay. some bad ones. If you need to, if you need to like, emergency eject, let me know. All right, thanks. All right. Tim, where are you clicking? I mean, there, there's moths, too. But then there's, like... The National Museum of American History. Mm-hmm. There's a Smithsonian Institution. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go macro and get micro. Yep. Ooh. I think so. I bet micro is in there somewhere. <laughs> Post the dirty jobs. Uh, I'm going nice. to the National yeah. Museum of American History. All right. Moths. Moths. Uh, they're like butterflies. Exclamation point. Except horror. Uh, <laughs> Most lepithians are moths, and there are they are thought to be approximately one hundred and sixty thousand species of moth, many of which are yet to be described. <laughs> what a weird way to say that! Oh no! We're like, there's just a bunch of them, and we're like, I don't know what is that? We can't describe. Uh, the modern English word moth comes from the Old English mo, uh, from Common Germanic. Pair Ooh. old North Malti, uh, <laughs> uh, possibly related to the old English word for maggot, or from the root I mean, of midge. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they're like they start out as caterpillars, which are pretty cute. There's this <laughs> this this hawkmouth caterpillar is pretty cute. Uh, yes. This moth larva from India is just hanging out on a branch. It's also yeah. cute. Um, and then the horrors. And then the horrors. I don't know why, but it's just like they're furry. See, they I big really eyes. like moths. Moths are yeah, cute. I, I think they're adorable. I'm so, I know that this is no fun for you, Sky. I know, I, I'm fine. sorry. Uh, there are no birds here. I mean, the Atlas moth is basically a Why do I keep thing. saying bird when I mean fish? What's wrong with <laughs> my brain? <laughs> they mentioned this fish. This is what daylight saving time does to you. There's plenty Sky. of birds here. <laughs> Um, Sky, is your brain just doing that? That um, that uh, what is the the visual eye or the optical illusion? That's just a series of birds that transitions to a series of fish. Yeah, like I don't the know. like the negative space is a series of fish. I just don't want to be on this moth page anymore. I'm sorry. <sighs> um, I could click on birds. Would that get me to fish? No, they're not fish. What about ultrasonic? Or some fish ultrasonic use ultrasonic. <laughs> I mean, one, I can't really help you, but two, I mean, possibly? I don't know. Uh, There's probably some pretty fast fish. Probably. How great would that be if there's just fish, like, making sonic booms in the water? Like, whoom! I think I'm going to have to click. (laughs) Yes, you are. Birds. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to bird. I mean, they got to talk about, like, hawks and stuff that eat fish, right? Yeah, obvious. I mean, sure. Yes, probably. They do. They don't have to link to them, though. All right, go ahead. <laughs> so I'm at the National Museum of American History. For some reason, I, I think I looked at the word "national" and I and I read it as "natural." Mm, um, I see your mistake. So there's there's no aquariums in here because they don't talk about fish. They right. talk about American history, though, and that's kind of cool. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, the National Museum of American History, the Kenneth E. Baring Center, collects, preserves, and displays the heritage of the United States in the areas of social, mm. political, cultural, scientific, and military history. Among the items on display is the original Star Spangled Banner, with all its spangled stars. All the spangles. Uh, Every last spangle. Yes. Uh, museum opened in 1964 as a Museum of History and Technology. Um, it has been renovated uh, last in 2008. Uh, among major changes made during the renovation are a new five-story skylit atrium. You could have mm. could have added an aquarium, guys. Could have a new grand staircase, a new welcome center, all of which could have been aquariums. an environmentally controlled chamber to protect the original Star Spangled Banner, most likely Again, from Nicholas Cage. Could be Cage. an aquarium. Ooh, nice. We gotta steal the Star Spangled Banner. Do you think that he just does that sometimes, just to freak people out? To like, you know, he did try to steal the Star Spangled Banner, right? What? No. Wait. What? Did he really? No. You know he didn't. Right. Oh, he didn't. Oh. Okay. Right. <laughs> okay. But making sure you guys are do, joking. Right. Do you think that occasionally, just around people, he'll he'll be like, though? Yeah. But seriously, you know, there really was something on the Declaration of Independence. Like they gave me the real think... one. Like yes. Me, like outside the movie. Like, yes. Do like... you think that? Do you think that he just does that sometimes? Because I mean, you, I imagine he lives his roles a lot. I don't know why he lives. <laughs> he loves a truth but i don't know what that truth means we cannot yeah, that, comprehend this truth that's fair uh let's see here so if you want to go to the museum and you want to know what's on the you know on the different floors on the lower level mm -hmm. you can see the taking america to lunch exhibit which celebrates the history of american lunch boxes what yeah uh, the museum's food court <laughs> the stars and stripes cafe is also located there First floor has an exhibit that features transportation and technology, including America on the Move and Lighting a Revolution. The John Bull locom locomotive is a signature artifact here. Whoa. Exhibits in the West Wing address science and innovation. They include science and American life featuring robots on the road. That is one whole thing. Science and American road. life featuring robots <laughs> on the road. Like okay. hobo robots? Yeah. <laughs> like what? Obviously, I oh. mean, oh, oh, do they just have like the when they do the thumb out thing, like it's just like a process in the background. Like they're so much more efficient that they can do like five other things mm -hmm. while they're trying to pick up a uh, pick up a ride. Who etched all these zeros and ones in my fence posts? <laughs> nice. <laughs> Both sides. Uh, bon Appetit, Julia Child's Kitchen. Mm. Let's see here. Oh, cool. Uh, second floor. Uh, consider American ideals include the Albert Small Documents Gallery, featuring rotating exhibitions. I don't know. They're so tiny. Um, an original copy of the Gettysburg Address on loan from the White House was on display. Uh, the Greensboro Lunch Counter is the signature artifact for this yes. section of the museum. <laughs> Located in the center of the second floor, guarded by guards, I don't know, is the original Star Spangled Banner flag, which inspired Francis Scott Key's poem. Uh, I saw that. Yep. Yeah. Did cool. you? Yeah, because wow. I went to this last fall. Yep, displayed in a climate-controlled room at the heart of the oh, museum. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Mm -mm -mm. Uh, the Price of Freedom, Americans at War is on the third floor. Uh, the Gunboat Philadelphia. Uh, the Clara Barton Red Cross Ambulance is a signature artifact there. Uh, mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Sports and Music is also on the third floor. Uh, thanks for the Memories, Music, Sports, and Entertainment History. Uh, the Hall of Musical in Instruments. 
and the doll's house. A car from Disneyland's Dumbo the Flying Elephant ride is a signature artifact there. What? <laughs> well, and they just okay. flew off one time. They're like, well, we're not going to put this back on. You can have it. Send it to the National History <laughs> Museum. Luckily, there was so, no one in this. Then. In the, uh, I, I'm on the page. There's a there's a section for um, the Smithsonian uh, about the lunchbox display. Mm-hmm. And they have them grouped into four groups. And the last one, I'm just going to, just the name of the title of the webpage itself. Like, they've got them into four groups. And the fourth group is just called <clears throat> Cool Lunches and Cold Steel. And that's all I'm going to say about nice. that. Cool Lunches and Cold Steel. It's very good. Oh, man. Great. These are cool lunches. Kiss Lunchbox. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. Why don't uh, we have lunchboxes like this anymore? They're probably dangerous. Oh yeah, probably. Yeah, you I could kill someone one. with a lunchbox like this. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I think the closest thing that I might be able to get to with an aquarium, I'm going to go. Uh, we've been here before, but I'm going back to Disneyland. You're not going to go to Potion Design because that's a thing I want to click. What? Yeah, it's probably just some. Oh, it's just it's it's a it's design a firm. Design firm, yeah. It's not about actual potions. They design being designed. aquariums. That's... What? <laughs> what do you know? What? <laughs> How do you think I got to the page? No, okay. All right, so birds, just birds. Just birds. I was busy thinking about birds. <laughs> uh, since birds are highly invisible and common animals, humans have had a relationship with them since the dawn of man. Sometimes these relationships are mutualistic, like a cooperative honey gathering among honey guides and African peoples such as as the Barana. Have you, have you heard of this? I have. Yeah. But hold on, highly visible. What did you say? Uh, highly cooperative. Oh my gosh! They're highly cooperative. No, no, no. yeah. Highly visible and common. Yes. Common animals. Since birds are to... highly visible and common animals. As opposed to mostly invisible. Because <laughs> they're just like up in the sky, running around. You can like look up like, and oh, see them. Just at any point, you're just like, oh, there's a bird. <laughs> Other times, they may be commensal. Uh, I guess that's uh, a thing. As when sure. species such as. As we, as when species such as the house sparrow have benefited from human activities. I see. Several bird species have become commercially significant are, are agricultural pests, and some pose an aviation hazard. All of them do. Yeah. All birds pose an aviation hazard because we should not be in that space that the birds God are. God did not in. intend us to be there. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Um. Uh, in religion and mythology, they played prominent and diverse roles in religion and mythology. Uh, they may serve as either messengers or priests and leaders for a deity, mm-hmm. such as the cult of Make Make, in which the Tangata Manu of Easter Island served as chiefs or as attendants. Huh. Nice, nice. Weird. Um, oh, and yeah, and then there's the ones from uh, 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 the Norse god Odin's ravens. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think there's, yeah, messengers. Union, Union, yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. I, uh, I know about those from comics. <laughs> they talk about fish on here, but they don't link. They don't link Do to they the fish. Really? They say that yeah, there's some fish eaters. Oh my gosh! Uh, eating fish, hunting fish. There's kingfishers. Ooh, um, well that's close. Yeah, I that's think we've been to that right page, direction. but I'm probably probably gonna go there. Gulls, um, <laughs> penguins. 
which are kind of like the birds that are fish. Birds that are also fish? Yeah. <laughs> dabbing ducks? There's dabbing ducks. What? What? <laughs> How did I know? I'm going to click on Yeah, dabbing. there's dabbing ducks. I'm going to click on dabbing duck. <laughs> of course you are. Sky, that's 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 prime us. Like I don't know how we could not click on dabbing duck. No, I'm not gonna actually do this. Uh-huh. Oh, aren't you really? No, the picture I isn't would. as funny as I thought it would be. <laughs> oh, you're right, it isn't. Um I got nothing. I guess I could click on Kingfisher. I'll click on Kingfisher. Kingfisher it is. Alright. Hey, hey kiddos, we're in Disneyland. Let's, let's go to Disneyland. Yep. Again. So here's a little something that uh, <laughs> relates to uh, our earlier game. Uh, so this is during the 1950s and 1960s in the Wikipedia Disneyland timeline. As part of the <laughs> Casa de Fritos operation at Disneyland, oh no, Doritos no. Spanish for what? What are what is Doritos Spanish for? Do you the know? Crunchy ones. <laughs> <laughs> no. Los crunchies. No. Um, uh, Fingertips. I don't know. Yeah, uh, cheese dust. They're they're Spanish for little golden things. No. The road to El Dorito. (laughs) Oh, no, it is. That's that's the the DOR part, is gold. Oh, my gosh. I'm so mad right now. I'm really, really upset. So so Doritos were created at Disneyland, at the park, to to recycle old tortillas that would have been discarded. The f- oh Shut down the podcast. The, I'm done. The Frito-Lay company Stop saw recording. the popularity of the item and began selling them regionally in 1964 and then nationwide in so 1966. Mad. I am so mad right now. Walt Disney created the Dorito indirectly. Out. Oh. I had to Google that because I'm like, this sounds like vandalism. No. But no. There's a, there's a minute 15 uh, YouTube video titled Doritos were originally Disneyland trash. Oh my gosh, uh, I'm so upset. Also in the 50s, in September 1959, Soviet First Secretary Nikita Khrushchev spent 13 days in the United States with two requests, to visit Disneyland and to meet John Wayne. Wow. I mean, that, but that also checks at out. At that point, hadn't John Wayne made, like, probably anti-Soviet films yes. and stuff? Was he yeah, trying was to, to kill John Wayne? Ooh, whoa. Oh, I hadn't thought about yeah. it that way. That's a little that's a little speculation Maybe. for thought. That's a little bit Time of baseless speculation. <laughs> All right, Tim, where are you going from Disneyland? Um, I'm not even done here. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Okay. What <laughs> Um Throughout the park are hidden Mickeys. No. Representations of Mickey Mouse heads inserted subtly into the design of attractions and environmental decor. It's three circles. It's not. It's not subtle. There's just three circles. It's, it's oh. Mickey. No. Yes. So, Soviet assassins did go after John Wayne. What? No. But they were they were from Stalin. Oh, okay. Khrushchev's <laughs> like, no, he's a good man. Yeah, he's got good movies. Joseph Stalin was no fan of John Wayne. Mm. Oh my gosh. So, um, okay, what I will be clicking on, uh, current attractions in Tomorrowland uh, include Space Mountain, Star Wars Launch Bay, Autopia, Mm -hmm. Jedi Training, Trials of the Temple, the Disneyland Monorail Tomorrowland Station, that is not an attraction. 
It's a train station. Uh, Astro Orbiter and Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters. Finding Nemo <laughs> Submarine try. Voyage opened on June 11, oh, 2007. No. I'm clicking on Finding Nemo oh. Submarine Voyage. Very nice. Good, good, good job. Call. All right. Kingfishers. I lo- <laughs> we should just have a segment about... Talking about the pages, like the pages topic in relationship to humans, because it's always gold. Kingfishers are generally shy birds, but in spite of this, they feature heavily in human culture, (laughs) generally due to the large head supporting its powerful mouth, (laughs) their bright plumage, or some species' interesting behavior. What? They're they're generally shy. But humans are real into them because they have a large head supporting a powerful mouth. <laughs> what? I mean, uh, Sky, I mean, aren't, you, aren't we all into things with large heads of support? I mean, I mean, mm, we're not a blue podcast, but. Uh, for the Dusan people of Borneo, the Oriental Dwarf Kingfisher is considered a bad omen, and warriors who see one on the way to battle should return home. Another Borean tribe considers the Bandit Kingfisher an omen bird, albeit generally a good omen. And there's the Sacred Kingfisher among the Pacific Kingfishers uh, that are venerated by the Polynesians, who believe it had control over the seas and the waves. Holy cow! Whoa, whoa! (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's that's giving a lot of power to a little bird. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you think that the thing that lived in the seas and waves? You know what? I'm not gonna. I don't know, man. I'm not gonna get into it. Anyway. Um. Oh my gosh! Uh, By the way, birds here all all over the place. Doesn't link to them. Mentions tilapia right here. There's a king giant kingfisher here with a tilapia. Are you kidding me? Yeah, and it just is like not linked. Wait again, Sky. Sky. What? You did it again. What? Did, I did say... you just say you said they mentioned birds here? <laughs> it's fish. What is wrong with my brain? Are you okay? I don't know. Oh no. <laughs> well. Guys, maybe I just secretly <laughs> birds and fish. They're just like interchangeable. I don't know. They're basically the same. Um uh, I would really love to have a type of fish here. <laughs> that would get me closer to fish, but there isn't one. Alright, so hang instead, on a second. There's gotta be I'm gonna click <laughs> I, there's amphibians? I can get to amphibians. Hey. Oh my goodness. They also put those in aquariums. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> I suppose that's true. Amphibians um. are part bird. <laughs> you know, it's part bird, part mammals. Yep. <laughs> uh I'm going to I'm going to uh just put out there that we name that segment if we ever if we ever have one about their in relationship with humans. Uh how can we make this about me? Yes. Okay. 
All right, so you're clicking amphibians. Is that what you're going That's with? What I'm going. I have crustaceans here too. I should probably pick you do. crustacean. Okay. I mean, there's there another thing like. I don't like to look at. Yeah, I was gonna say that's my nightmare animal. So all right, let's go. Let's let's get into it. Yeah. Um, all right, gonna not look at it. All right, we're good. We're good. Uh huh. You okay? Okay, we're good so far. Yep, I just I'm just looking on the page, see how far I can go down on this page, and we'll be all right. Everything's fine. <clears throat> Finding Nemo submarine voyage. Mm-hmm. Yep, Finding Nemo submarine voyage, which has a hidden Mickey. No, it does. It's three. It literally again. Hidden Mickey there's on just the construction three... fence around the drained lagoon while the attraction was under oh construction. So mad. Yep. It's it's bubbles in the shape of Mickey. Undeniable. There's nothing else that could possibly be. Nope. Three bubbles. Just three, three bubbles. bubbles. It's three circles. Um, it's not a Mickey. Uh, so this was a, a submarine ride <clears throat> in Tomorrowland uh, mm-hmm. that went into Finding Nemo World. <laughs> Basically. Okay. Uh, the voice cast um, had a lot <laughs> of the original people back. from the movie. It did not have wow. Ellen DeGeneres as Dory. Instead, <clears throat> oh. they chose Jennifer Hale. Uh, okay. Oh, wow, really? So they chose, they chose <laughs> Commander Shepard. That doesn't make any Dory. sense. Well, no, just, she's, she's a good voice actress. She, Ellen DeGeneres would like be totally into doing that, though. That's, I think so, right. Yes. I mean, she, she actually had her own attraction in Epcot. Yeah. Huh, weird. Maybe she was busy that weekend. So here's the voyage. Maybe. At the attraction's entrance, guests enter the Institute of Nautical Exploration and Marine Observation, or NEMO. No. Three seagulls perched on a nearby buoy cry out, mine, 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 every few moments. Oh, yeah, I like that. <laughs> That's the seagulls, they say mine. Yep. That's really funny. That's good. That's good. Guests board Very one good. of NEMO's eight yellow research submarines and set out in search <laughs> of an active underwater volcano. Through their portal. They specify yellow submarines yep. there? Guests view a colorful okay. underwater environment. One of the first things guests see is Darla, the fish-killing niece of the dentist in Finding Nemo, free-diving oh. amid the coral, holding a plastic bag with fish she has captured. That's oh, terrifying. That's, that's dark. Yeah, cool. As the journey continues, guests wow. see a giant sea bass swimming through a seaweed forest. The submarines then enter the ruins of an ancient civilization, because that's Finding Nemo, which are being explored by the <laughs> dentist scuba diver P. Sherman. Wait, yep. what? Among the ruins lies a gigantic tiki head embedded in the ocean floor. Uh, man, this is a strange ride. Yeah, this is taking a uh, left turn. They keep going. Sub passes through a dark cavern where huge eels lunge toward the submarine, you know, like in Mario 64. And lobsters yeah. can be seen as well. Oh, good. <laughs> just, they're just visible. The sub visible passes lobsters. Marlin, a clownfish, and Dory, Mostly a visible blue lobsters. tang, as they discover that Nemo has gotten lost again. Oh, Farther along no. the reef, guests encounter Mr. Ray and his class swimming through the coral, looking for Nemo as well. The first mate oh, announces right. that the sub is approaching the East Australian current, and the submarine enters the current along with Nemo, Squirt, Crush, and the other green sea turtles. Um, that was actually cute. There's the more to this, but I am not going to continue on, because... Yeah, we yeah. got it. We get, we get the we get the gist. So or, I mean, it it uses know, we, actual submarines, which is interesting. I would think they would want like, like real submarines. Yeah, like oh, I guess oh, although their viewports are below water level, the submarines do not actually submerge when diving. 
Okay. He sent it submersion been... is simulated with bubbles <clears throat> that rise across the viewports when the vehicles pass through compressed air released under the hull and waterfalls. Oh, clever. Yep. Each viewport blows fresh dehumidified air across its glass to prevent fogging. Well, Jeez. great. Think of everything. So classy. So, um, I'm going to. There's so many fish linked on here. Like, mm-hmm. whenever so a type of fish, fish is mentioned wow, in this, it you. is linked. <laughs> um, so I'm like, which of these fish is most likely to be in an aquarium? The giant sea bass? <laughs> which fish is it? Which fish is which? I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with pufferfish. What? Yep. All right. Okay. Whoa, Sky does not agree. I was like, yeah, all those fish, you go with pufferfish? Yep. Yep, all these fish. I guess if you're going big aquarium, that makes sense, yeah. But no, they're, they're, they're expanding pets, too. <laughs> I guess so. Well, they are now, now that we have aquariums. <clears throat> Crustaceans are bad. Right, Sky. I don't like Crustaceans. I don't like eating them. Ugh. They're bad. Um, most crustaceans are free-living aquatic animals, but some are are terrestrial, like wood lice. Some are parasitic, like fish lice or tongue worms. Wait, nope, 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 nope. Some are sessile, like barnacles, which I guess means that, what, they adhere to stuff? Sure. (laughs) Sessility, S-E-S-S-I-L-I-T-Y, in the sense of positional movement or motility, Refers to organisms that do not possess a means of self locomotion and are normally immobile. <clears throat> okay. Um, yeah, I mean they're bad. <laughs> they're like lobsters and stuff. <laughs> they're basically them. insects that live on every surface of the planet who yeah, don't care about like, where you are. They'll kill you no matter where, where you are. Um, yeah. Crustaceans have a rich and extensive fossil record because, of course, they do. Um, even back. To the middle uh, Cambrian age, most of the major groups of crustaceans appear in the fossil record before the end of the Cam- the Cambrian, named namely the Brachiopoda. There's a bunch of weird things that are there. Oh, this um, is terrifying. Most of the early, most of the early crustaceans are rare, but fossil crustaceans become abundant from the Carboniferous period onward. Um, the first true lobsters also appeared in the Crustaceous <laughs> period. I love their first album, though. <laughs> the first true lobsters? Oh, yeah, it's real good. Good. Uh, the only human thing it has on here <laughs> is that we eat a bunch of them. Many crustaceans are consumed by humans, and nearly 10,700,000 tons were produced in 2007. The vast majority of their output of uh, is of... Decapod crustaceans, crabs, lobsters, shrimp, crawfish, and prawns. Makes sense. Yeah. So, there. Yeah. I mean, I'm just gonna click <laughs> on lobsters because, like, lobsters are in tanks at the store, <clears throat> and maybe they'll. Oh yeah, that. yeah. That's a and good that's call. Like an aquarium. So I'm gonna click on lobster. Lobster it is. Cool. I was thinking of lobster. Basically, too. basically water cockroaches, oh, with claws. Um. All like. right. I made a mistake. So, oh God! Clicking on pufferfish brought me to the page for it. Holy ho! Yeah, wow. I know you got to the same picture I just did. <laughs> please, please don't look. It's just staring right in our faces. Just... <laughs> I was not prepared for that, Scott. <laughs> I know it's bad. Oh my gosh! There's a link here called Lobster Smack. What? <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, is that when they get real sassy? <laughs> we'll get to it. Go ahead, Tim. Sorry. So, uh, <laughs> the family Tetradontidae. Tetraodontidae? Uh-huh. Whatever. Family includes yeah. many familiar species, which are variously called, and this is a wonderful list, pufferfish, puffers, <laughs> balloonfish, blowfish, blowies, bubblefish, globefish, swellfish, toadfish, toadies, honey toads, sugar toads, Aww. and sea squab. Wait, hold on. Those That got really cute near the end. Honey toads and sugar toads? Yes, my favorite uh, cereals. I do <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand how those came to be, but they're really cute. Oops, all sugar toads. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, sugar toads is actually linked. It's the only one on the list that is linked. Um, I'll click it. Keep going. You, I won't click through on that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, it's just a it's it's just a normal. It's a northern pufferfish. The scientific name refers is, to wait. the four large teeth fused into an upper and lower plate. Which are used for crushing the shells of crustaceans and mollusks. They're natural prey. Good. They deserve it. Yum. The majority of pufferfish are toxic, and some are among the most poisonous vertebrates in the world. Oh yeah. Um. Of course, fugu. You have to talk about fugu. Yeah. Uh. See here. Although it says down to, I like how there's um, there's a a sub a subheading called human interaction. And the first subheading beneath that subheading is poisoning. (laughs) (laughs) What is the main way in which humans and pufferfish interact? Oh, it's poisoning. Oh, it's poisoning. That checks. Checks out. Uh, See here. There are there are two pufferfish can be lethal if not served properly. Puffer poisoning usually results from consumption of incorrectly prepared puffer soup. Fugu shiri. Oh no. Oh no. Or occasionally from raw puffer meat, sashimi fugu. The soup is more likely to cause death. Uh, sashimi fugu often causes intoxication, lightheadedness, and numbness of the lips. And then it says, and is often eaten for this reason, then followed with citation needed. What? Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I don't know. Are they trying to say it's often eaten that way because it's less dangerous? Oh, I think oh, I that's see. what they're trying to say. Like it's usually Maybe. sashimi and not the soup because the soup can kill you. Man, sashimi I'd sure like to get drunk, drunk on pufferfish. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine any reason that I would eat either of those things because, like, yeah, I I realize that you know we all have we're we're all gonna die eventually, but like I don't want to be the way that I go eating pufferfish. Nope. Like I just don't want it to be that. Uh, the word aquarium is in this article, but it is not linked. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, so I am trying to figure out where to go from here. Is Why is the sugar that? toad cute? <laughs> no, oh. not really. Oh, David Attenborough. I mean, it, yeah, the... Uh... <laughs> It, I mean, it's it's just it's what it's the standard puffer fish. Yeah. Your standard spe- your standard puffer. The species Torquejenar albumaculosis was called by David Attenborough the greatest artist of the animal kingdom, due to Whoa. the male's ability to create the most complex and visually appealing structures in the sand ever authored by animal. What? That's what it says. But there's no pictures or anything. Yeah, citation needed, David. Jeez, David. 
Um, the uh, the northern puffer is it is very golden like that. I I understand like what it's like. Uh, oh, honey, it's honey colored. I can understand why we call them that. Like, yeah, but this is uh, the one that we have. This is the one that is found in North North America, and uh, unfortunately for them, they're mostly not poisonous. So uh, they are commonly called sugar toads in the Chesapeake Bay. Excuse me, where they are eaten as a delicacy. Sorry, guys. They are kind of cute, though. Uh, so, man, like, a lot of these links are just like, what to do about poisoning? <laughs> and the effects <laughs> of poisoning. I'm like, that's not going to get me any closer. But it's still important. It is important. Uh, but, oh, my gosh. This is this is rough. Uh, I am going to click on David Attenborough. Okay. Oh wow. Okay. Maybe I, he has I, an aquarium. Maybe. It's possible. Actually, I, it's I would the believe whole world. It. Uh, <laughs> Aww. Whoa. So. All right. Lobsters. Let's talk about terrifying sea insects. In North America, the American lobster did not achieve popularity until the mid 19th century, when New Yorkers <laughs> and Bostonians developed a taste for it, and commercial lobster fisheries only floundered, or only floundered, only flourished. <laughs> After the development of the lobster smack, a custom-made <laughs> boat with open holding wells on the deck to keep the lobsters alive during transport. Oh. Not as fun. Um, did, do you guys know that like lobsters used to be like the poor man's food? Oh, yeah. Totally. I not. Lobsters were considered a mark of poverty or as a food for indentured servants or lower members of society uh, in Maine, Massachusetts, and the Canadian Maritimes. It has been suggested servants specified in employment agreements that they would not eat lobster more than twice a week. However, there is no evidence of this. <laughs> Two citations. Uh, lobster was also commonly served in prisons, much to the displeasure of inmates. American lobster was initially deemed worthy only of being used as fertilizer or fish bait. And until well into the 20th century, it was not viewed as more than a low-priced canned staple to be the food. Um, yep. Yeah. People used to have a lot of sense. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I do you guys Again, like the taste of lobster? No, I have not I'm really. Sorry. Like, it's not something I always shoot for. I do not like it. I like crab I mean, a little bit more, but I don't like either. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I fresh like real crab. Yes, I would agree with you. But like, yeah, I'm not. I'm not into this. Uh, so there is a whole section called welfare, and it starts with a, <laughs> with a little in italics. Further information, pain in crustaceans. That's a terrible place to have pain, too. And it opens. Uh, several methods are used for killing lobsters. The most Great. common way of killing lobsters is by placing them live in boiling water, sometimes after having been placed in a freezer for a period of time because oh, you're a sicko. Wow. Another method, method is to split the lobster or sever the body in half lengthwise. Lobsters may also be killed or rendered insensitive. Insensate? Insensate? Mm-hmm. Uh, immediately yeah. after boiling by a stab into the brain in the, in the belief that this will stop suffering. However, mm. a lobster's brain operates from not one, but several ganglia, and disabling only the frontal ganglion does not usually result in death because these are little alien monsters. Mm. The boiling method is actually illegal in some places, uh, such as the Regio Emilia, Italy, or such as in Reggio Emilia, Italy, 
uh, where offenders face fines up to 495 euro. Lobsters can be killed by electrocution prior to cooking. I mean, a lot of things can be. Oh, uh, with one device, the crustacea stun, no. <laughs> applying a 110 volt, 2 to 5 amp electrical charge to the animal. No, that's not a real thing. It's the Swiss linked. government banned boiling lobster live without stunning them first. <laughs> and like oh an act gosh. of yeah, civility. Oh my gosh. Um, the crust the crustacean comprises a stainless steel box, approximately the size of a domestic microwave, containing a tray with a oh my god oh my god it's a it's a tray with a wet sponge and an electrode. That's the box. The killing, That's the entire thing. They're, they're, the killing method is most likely to cause pain and distress. Are and then there's six bullet points that I am not going to not going oh. to list. Um, oh my gosh! Yeah, bad bad times. It's. It's weird that we're like, oh, we don't want these lobsters to feel pain, but like cows and stuff. Yep. I mean, I guess anyway. these are like the Swiss government. Uh, yes. They, they probably care more than more than us, <laughs> I guess. They're better at, at this than we are, yes. Okay. So oh. I, aquarium is not on here. Um, I'm surprised. There is a photo and, of lobsters in a tank at a fish market, but nothing's linked. And actually, I Lobster Smack would have been a good reference, uh, but it's not linked either. Uh, lobster Smack is... Uh, it's it's an unfinished tag, though. Oh, that's why it's red. Okay. Yeah. Um, aquaculture is linked here. Hmm. Ooh. Lobster Aquaculture. But I don't know if that... I don't know if that's going to get only me closer. One, only one way to find yeah, out. Yeah, I feel like I just got to stab into fish-related... You really have to say stab. Yeah. Yep. Yes, you did. All right. Aquaculture. Aquaculture it is. Aquaculture. So the oh wow the David Attenborough page is enormous. Holy cow! Sir David well, Frederick I mean... Attenborough is a veteran English broadcaster and naturalist. He's best known for writing and presenting in conjunction with the BBC Natural History Unit. Um, my favorite cop show. The nine mm-hmm. natural history documentary series that form the Life Collection. Nice. In 2002, mm-hmm. he was named among the 100 Greatest Britons following a UK-wide poll for the BBC. He was born in Isleworth, oh, Middlesex. A... Grew up in College House on the campus of the University College, Leicester. Leicester? I apologize. Where his father, Frederick, mm-hmm. was principal. He Principal is is linked. Is it the wrong principal? No, it's linked. Wait, I'm what? like, jeez. <laughs> Oh, he's the middle end, but aquarium's not linked on this page. I'll let you know that right now. Oh, <laughs> um, middle of, middle of three sons. Uh, elder brother Richard became an actor and director. Younger brother John became an executive at Italian car manufacturer Alfa Romeo. Oh, uh, no kidding! He's the only wow. chi- uh, surviving child among them right now. And during World War II, through a British volunteer network known as the Refugee Children's Movement, his parents also fostered two Jewish refugee girls from Europe. Uh, he spent his childhood collecting fossils. Aww. And, man, he's done so many things, you guys. Yeah. So I'm going to go down I mean, to... that's the that's the tough thing about uh, describing this guy, though. Like, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, ooh, Great Barrier Reef. Mm, a blue planet. Yeah, I was just seeing These that. things are so big. So big water things. <laughs> just do it. Just, just give us a documentary water. on an aquarium, David. 
so he's received many uh, honors, including having at least 15 species and genera, both living and extinct, being named in his honor. Oh, wonderful. Plants named after him include an alpine hawkweed. I'm not even going to try the Latin of these. Um, oh, yeah, you're good. A species of Ecuadorian flowering tree, one of the world's largest pictured carnivorous plants, uh, a genus of flowering plants, uh, a butterfly, uh, his, the, the Attenborough's black-eyed satyr, a dragonfly, Ooh. Attenborough's pintail, <laughs> the millimeter-long goblin spider, <laughs> an Indonesian flightless weevil, and a, Ma- oh. and a Madagascan ghost shrimp. Wow. What is Whoa. a Madagascan ghost shrimp? I'm going to click terrifying. this and then be terrified. It's probably all true. Oh, there's not, even, there's not even a picture. There's not even a picture, Sky. It's oh, okay. okay good. Uh, it is a genus of ghost shrimp. It's known... It is no. Oh, wow. It is known from a single female specimen collected in shallow water on the wow. no- northwest coast of Madagascar. That's it. Sheesh. Wow. That's all we Ghosted. know. Got one. Uh... Yep. A, a Namibian lizard, a bird, a Peruvian frog, and one of only four species of long-beaked echidna. Damn. Do you know how many species of long-beaked echidna there are in this world? There's only four. One of them <laughs> is named after me. That's awesome. That's how important I am. That's pretty awesome. Uh, a new species of fan-throated lizard described in 2018 uh, found in southern India was named Sitana Attenboroughi in his honor. Jeez. Amazing. Just naming all sorts of stuff. <clears throat> so I am going to... Um, where was I going? Where were you going? You know, I'm going to go to... I mean, it's 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 the big one. But I'm going to go to the blue planet. Oh no! Okay. Oh my god! Oh no! Gosh. Marine life. Oh, by the way, by the way, I want to note on here. I want to note on here that, um, somehow Bodie McBoatface was mentioned on this page. Of course. Uh, oh, right, because the the ship that it was supposed to be they eventually named, named that, it after it him was yeah. named the RRS Sir David Attenborough. Yep. I I clicked um, on marine life. All right. It's not getting. It's not getting us Aquacul- there. Aquaculture. I'm gonna start like speed running this. Aquaculture. Yep, it. It's like when you harvest fish for various reasons. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um. It talks about all the practices here and how some of them are cool, some of them aren't. Um, <laughs> just like different ways to kill a lobster. Um, Got it. It says a fortunate genetic mutation of carp led to the emergence of goldfish during the Tang Dynasty. I'm clicking Ooh. on that goldfish. Because those are specifically aquarium fishies. Fishies. <laughs> that's accurate, yes. Oh, aquarium man. Fishies. That's good. Golf. I've misspelled goldfish, you guys. I called it a golf Goldfish. 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 All right. <laughs> okay. There are some goldfish on this page. All right, Tim. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about uh, marine life. Just... Just um, just marine life. Marine life, life in lives general. in salt water of the sea or ocean, which is Does usually it. not what's in an aquarium. No. So, I uh, here we you are. Know, there's fish in here. There's a ooh otters. There's a very majestic killer whale on this page, though. Yeah, it kind of it's it. it's kind of skimming low to the water, though. It kind of makes me think of a jet <laughs> ski. Like imagine it making that noise as it's oh, going. No. It's like. <laughs> 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 
Tim, it's popping a wheelie is yes. what it's doing. <laughs> oh, so good. Like it just comes out of the water. Like, Did you know that marine vertebrates must obtain oxygen to survive and they do so in various ways? For example, fish have gills oh, yeah. instead of lungs. Okay. <gasps> Although some species of fish, such as the lungfish, have both. <laughs> Um, marine mammals such as dolphins, whales, otters, and seals uh, need to surface periodically to breathe air. Uh, man, otters is linked. Otters are cute. Uh, otters are adorable. cute. But they're not in aquariums. They are very cute. No. I mean, I kind of have the feeling not, that I'm, not... I'm kind of dead in the water here. <laughs> oh. So I'm going to try to find fish something jokes. neat. Uh, do, 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 do. Wow. Oh, no. We're getting to the science part. Oh, I'm sinking. <laughs> No. Close with the science. Marine bacteria, no. <laughs> oh, actually, the bacteria part's kind of interesting. They have a picture here of a uh, the Pompeii worm, an extremophile, which, sure. Extreme! <laughs> hydrothermal vents has a protective cover, cover of bacteria. It does look really cool. Yeah. I'm going to share this in the in the little link here. Hmm. Something has made crystal structures, and they're, like, blue and pink and green, and that's kind of neat. That is cool. Uh, so I'm just going to click on... Very cool. Oh, my gosh, there's so many links on this page. There's so many. But, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, the ocean covers most of the globe. That's true. I'm going to click you on... You did find... Uh, algae. Oh. Algae. Algae. Okay. Oh, clever. Okay. All right. I just need to find one of these algaes that's linked out of the 23 on this page. <laughs> right. Oh, there's one. Okay, got it. <laughs> All right, Sky, let's talk about some goldfish. Goldfish. Started in ancient China. Several species of carp have been bred and reared as food fish for thousands of years. Normally gray or silver. Some had a tendency to produce red, orange, or yellow color mutations. This was first recorded during the Jin Dynasty in 265 to 420. Mm. During the Tang Dynasty, it was popular to raise carp in ornamental ponds and water gardens. A natural genetic mutation produced gold, actually yellowish or orange, rather than silver coloration. (laughs) Uh, People began to breed the gold variety instead of the silver variety, keeping them in ponds and other bodies of water. On special occasions at which guests were expected, they would be moved to a much smaller container for display. Hmm, what do you call I, that small container for I fish? I don't know. By the song, for display. take home, take home <laughs> doggy bag. By the song yes. dynasty, the selective breed, uh, domestic breeding of goldfish was firmly established. Wow. Uh, in, in 1162, the empress of the song dynasty ordered the construction of a pond to collect the red and gold variety. By this time, people outside the imperial family were forbidden to keep goldfish of the gold variety, <gasps> um, yellow being the imperial color. This is probably the reason why there are so many more orange goldfish than yellow goldfish, oh, even dang. though the latter are genetically easier to breed. Uh, during the Ming Dynasty, goldfish also began to be raised indoors. How do you do that? How do you, do you do that? Which permitted selection of mutations that would not be available to survive, or they'd not be able to survive in ponds. The first occurrence of the fancy-tailed goldfish was recorded in the Ming Dynasty. Uh, in 1603, goldfish were introduced to Japan. Then they were introduced to Portugal, and from there, other parts of Europe. 
Now this is great. During the 1620s, goldfish were highly regarded in southern Europe because of their metallic scales and symbolized good luck and fortune. It began... <laughs> It became a tradition for married men to give their wives a goldfish on their first anniversary as a symbol of the prosperous years to come. Oh, no. This tradition quickly died. Yeah, <laughs> just like the fish. Like goldfish. <laughs> yep, as goldfish became more available, losing their status. <laughs> oh uh, goldfish gosh. came to North America around 1850, and they became popular. Um, <laughs> they are Ta-da. called an aquarium fish, and I think I saw aquarium linked here somewhere. Aquarium fish. Uh, only in aquariums. Yep. So I'm gonna click wiki slash aquarium and hope it's the right one, and it is. Yeah. Hang on. Yeah. 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 In aquariums. Yep. That's it. You did it, Sky. Great. <laughs> wow. I. Yeah. All right, Tim. Uh, do you want to talk about algae? Uh, algae. 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 Uh, do you want to talk about algae? Yo, algae's boring, dude. So I'll just leave you with this little tidbit. Green algae live close to the surface of some sponges. For example, breadcrumb sponge. The alga is less protected from predators. The sponge is provided with oxygen and sugars, which can account for 50 to 80% of sponge growth in some species. So there you go. Sponges (laughs) and algae getting along. I like that there's just a section here that just says, that's just subtitled numbers, just in general, just numbers. <laughs> and I, numbers. I'm very sad that the section, that, that what's underneath is not just a series of numbers. <laughs> That'd be very good. Yes. Can you imagine how low you are on the totem pole of life to be like, hey, sea sponge, can you protect me? <laughs> Aw. But, but, I mean, it, it, They've survived this long as that. True. Like that's impressive. That actually stand. I I read that as more like a. That's incredible. How did you do that? <laughs> anyway, poor little guys. Uh, Sorry. They're probably delicious to everything that lives around there. All right. Uh, let's talk about aquariums. How you guys feel about aquariums? Uh, I'm neutral. Whoa. (laughs) I mean, cleaning them, I feel, has to be a challenge. I like, I probably feel the same way about them as you guys feel about cats. Like, it's nice to look at them, but I don't want them to be mine. Right. Um, That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So, I I really, like, uh, we had fish growing up. Like, as I I was a little kid, like, we we always had fish. I never did. But, oh, well, I mean, no, but it was a thing where it was fish. just a... I'm sorry, what? I almost had a fish. How does that happen? We went to the state fair. Uh-huh. Like, you know, the country fair. Right. And I played the the game where you, like, put ping pong balls in the, in the glasses. You're not supposed to be yes. able to do it. And I did it. I want right. a fish. I was so excited. And I ran up to my mom and was like, look, I bought this fish. She's like, you can't have that fish. You have to go take it back. What? Yeah. She's like, that fish is just going to die. I don't want to deal with it. Go take it back. Oh, oh wow. no. Yeah. So I went and took, returned the fish. Sky, how old were you? I don't know. This is a... Very, wow. Wow. <laughs> it was just this year. No. Uh, <laughs> this is... This is... This impacted you. Yeah. 
I remember. You it. remembered this this whole time. Wow. Yeah. Uh, well, we had a a long running tradition of those fish uh, surviving just uh, long enough for us to get another one. Yeah. So it was like a thing where it would be we would do we were the family that did this thing where we would get a bunch of goldfish at the state fair and or the local fair and then uh you know keep them for a while and my parents would be like they're gonna die you know it's gonna be you know why are we even setting this up right then we do and they would they would live fine they'd be great and then eventually my parents would be like well okay if we're gonna have fish we might as well have fish so we'd go buy like two or three small other like betas or whatever and put them in there and they would all immediately die everything yeah they're so finicky yeah, Gotta have yes. everything right. You gotta introduce new water to them. Filtration. Hey, water. Be at the right yeah. temperature. Yeah, exactly. Well, biological that's load. Why... <laughs> the biological why it was load so or difficult. bio load is a measure of the Gosh. burden placed on an aquarium ecosystem by its inhabitants. Amazing. Uh, there's a lot here. Um, there's so much. Uh, there's only a couple things that I want to that I would like to know, and you can read what you like here, but um. I want to note that uh, first off here in 1832, Jean Villepreux Power, a pioneering French marine biologist, became the first person to create an aquarium for experimenting with aquatic organisms. Uh, she did so for, uh, I, I did some other research, and she did so to try to, um, she, she tried to, uh, uh, to study octopi and okay. nautilus. And you couldn't keep them anywhere because they're super smart for one thing, but then also like, you know, they have very specific rules about how they can survive. And she designed a couple things, but uh, the reason that she only has one line on this Wikipedia page is that uh, almost all of her notes and books and things were were lost at sea in a in a shipwreck. Uh, so, you know. We know that she did this stuff, but uh, we don't have many of her notes uh, anymore, which is a shame because I imagine they're awesome. Mm -hmm. But the only other thing that I wanted to point out, point out on this page is, is it, this is debatable because it has citation needed, but I really love the idea of this. <clears throat> in antiquity, in the Roman Empire, the first fish to be brought indoors, because of course, as as we all know, Rome did everything first, according to Wikipedia. Yeah. Uh, the first fish to be brought indoors was the sea barbel, which which was kept under guest beds in small tanks made of marble. What? That's what it says. Citation needed. Okay. And I'm assuming that's that's uh, that's just like a box. Um, yeah. Yes. That counts. I imagine they died pretty quick. Anyway, uh, that's probably not true, but. It's it was on here and I was like yeah okay, some someone has to make this about Rome. Sure. Anyway, of course. Uh, and and of course, right after that, they're like, oh yeah, and also China did this too. Yeah. Right. Of course. Um. Yeah. Anyway. That's all I want to talk uh, about aquariums. You got anything? Uh, and that I. <laughs> the only other thing is how okay all right I'm surprised you skipped over this but like. All right, that was in 1832 is when we had the first aquarium as we recognize it, the plate, plate glass aquarium, right? right? Um, so that, that happened in 1832. 
they became more standard and uh, they developed the idea so that you could, so that it was actually doable. Um, you could, su- you could support fish, you know, going forward Yeah. Um, in by the 1850s. So um, the findings about this was published in 1850 and then, the keeping of fish in an aquarium became a popular hobby and spread quickly. In the United Kingdom, it became popular after ornate aquaria and cast iron frames were featured at the Great Exhibition of 1851. By 1853, the aquarium craze was launched <laughs> in England by Philip Henry Ghost, who created and stocked the first public aquarium in the London Zoo, which came to be known as the Fish House. The fish house. That's Very cited. Nice. Um, and then, uh, oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, coming the word aquarium. Yes. Uh, instead of the aquatic vivarium or aqua vivarium, which sounds so 1850. It's wonderful. Yeah. Aquavarium. Uh, sure. Yeah. And in the 1850s, it also became an, a fad in, in the U.S. Or I'm sorry, no, in the United Kingdom. Oh, okay. They just repeat themselves there. Um. Okay, uh, and then uh, Edward Edwards developed these glass-fronted aquaria in, in 1858, uh, patent for a dark water chamber slope-back tank with water slowly circulating to a reservoir beneath. Anyway, I just wanted to talk about the aquarium craze. I really like that there was one. Yeah. Well, it's still uh, crazy there's... popular. It says 1996 aquarium keeping is the second most popular hobby after stamp collecting in the United States. <laughs> 9.6 million U.S. household owned an aquarium in 1999. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. The first aquarist society in the United States was founded in New York City, of course, in 1893, followed by others. The New York Aquarium Journal, first published in October 1876, is considered to be the world's first aquarium magazine. And I am looking at the New York Aquarium Journal. Nice. Sorry, I need to see if they're still in in circulation. Oh, I have to see if they're current. Oh. Yeah. You're welcome. I'm sorry. Great. (laughs) Uh, Nope, they don't still survive, it looks like. Uh, Although you can find it, uh, you can get it online, it looks like. Anyway, anyway. Congratulations, Sky! Thanks. You 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 made the you made the swim from Grace Hopper all the way to aquariums. Did. Uh, this was this was a trek. I I was really wondering if we were going to have something that like connected through the Navy, and I was like, uh, not sure about this. But it turns out that we uh we we had some interesting pages along the way, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you'd like to hear more about uh weird things that we found online uh you can find <laughs> there's there's not <laughs> oh, enough I mean... things on the internet to talk about weird things that are found online sure. oh my gosh so many things um but you can find us at our at our website at wskbcast.blogspot.com you can find us or you can find more episodes on itunes or google play uh or probably wherever you can find podcasts mm-hmm um, if you go to any of those places, please, please give us a rating and review. That'd be real cool of you. We'd really appreciate it. Um, you can find us on Twitter where we occasionally tweet cool things about, you know, weird things that we found online. Uh, every once in a while, uh, we'll, uh, you know, I'll just try to remember to tweet something out in reference to the actual run that we did the night of recording just to have a weird, like complete non sequitur. Uh, and I, I always enjoy how really bizarre some of these runs get. 
Yeah. Um, so you can find us on Twitter there. You can find us on Facebook by searching for We Should Know Better. I think that's all of our all of our ads, all of so. our social media. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, if if you do get a chance, uh, please rate and review it and uh, share our share our podcast if you want. It's you know I I seem to I, I always hear fun things. Uh, people seem to enjoy listening to us uh, talk about aquariums sometimes. Just as yeah. long as it's aquariums. Uh, yeah, only aquariums. I, it's weird that that's the thing. Actually, no, Tim, that's not true. It's aquariums and birds. Birds are pretty much <laughs> we pink. Can't, we should. Know we can't birds. tell the difference anymore. I no, I'm like completely like bird blind right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, this will be ninety four. We're only six away from our hundredth episode. I was thinking about that too. We're so close. So what are close. we going to do for the hundred? I don't know. Uh, hey, listeners, if you have any suggestions, we would love to hear it. What what should we do for our hundredth hundredth anniversary hundredth episode? We've been doing it for a hundred years. Um, uh, some days, no, we've been uh, doing it for like four, three. Is it really two thousand fourteen? No. Oh boy, you're kidding me. October two thousand fourteen was our first episode. You are kidding? That's not bioavailable right. Texas burgers. Yeah, you're. Ki- oh my gosh, we're so old. Um. Anyway, anyway, I'm gonna tonight. I'm gonna go figure that out for a while. Go think about this. <laughs> what am I? No, uh, what am I even doing with my life? <laughs> Wasting it away. A lot of fun. Recording no. this podcast no. with these podcasts. No. All right. Anyway, uh, well, thank you for helping me celebrate International Women's Day and also Lady Doritos. Lady Doritos. Uh, and a complete non sequitur. Uh, you guys have a good night. Bye. 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 For a moment, I nearly forgot which word I was supposed to say. <laughs> and that's, I, yeah, yeah, I almost was like, zap? <laughs> Mine's the only one that's not an actual word. I, I mean, wow. Wow. Yep, yeah, I suppose you're right. Yeah, I guess that's true. Makes it I easy. Did... Wow. Well, There's an Urban Dictionary entry for zap. Is there? What is it? Is, is it a thing you can actually say? Is it racist? It's racist, isn't it? It can be used in negative and positive ways. Uh huh. Mm. Okay. Uh, wait, it's not appeared in any dictionary. It can be used in negative, positive ways for any situations. It's also used to agree to something. <laughs> like, dude, my dog died, and then you would reply with zop. Zop. What? Dude, she gave me her number, and you would reply with zop. <laughs> who would reply with zop? <laughs> who are you, person who uses mystery words for that? Yeah, I don't know.